Hello there, everybody. Welcome to Shootin' the Shizat. I'm Dylan Broda, and we are going to talk some wrestling today. I'm joined with none other than the Canadian Rebel, Star Buck. How's it going there, Buckaroonie? It's going good, eh? <laughs> the Canadian Rebel. Exactly. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, we were in Salin with Slam Wrestling just, um, just over a week ago. And I screwed up my elbow. I don't know how, but man, it's black and blue right now. It's it uh, nasty. Yeah, it's and the funny thing is that it's it's going down a bit. I was just in Romania. I mean, it's like I literally left for for Romania. Was it on Wednesday morning, early squirrely, uh, this past week? And then I came back a super early flight on Saturday. I was there for uh, the wedding of one of my wife's friends. But anyway, the point being that while I was there, I mean, my, my elbow was just killing me. My arm was just freaking killing me. And I don't know how I heard it. This is the whole thing that in that match that I had in Tallinn, that was a tag match. Uh, it was just a freak thing. Cause when I, when I'm thinking back, I didn't compromise my, my arm or my body in any way, shape or form. It just something happened. And I'm not sure if it's because I went to the cryo chamber. You know, do you know yeah. what cryotherapy is? Well, uh, you showed me the video, and did you post something or something? Yeah, like yeah, that? that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, and and it's all good. I mean, it's like cryo cryotherapy is is proven to um, reduce inflammations and uh, and help with uh, different pains and help you recuperate, even sleep and stuff like that. But anyways, I had this cryotherapy session uh, the day before the match, and the only place where I really felt it like still tingling after the the cryotherapy. Uh, was done was in my left elbow, which I've had problems with now for about, a, let's say a decade. And, uh, anyway, so I went and got it x-rayed and, uh, they took this 3d x-ray of it too. And they found this calcification of the tendon yeah. in my left elbow. So it, it, it starts from the tip of the elbow and it goes up towards the tricep. So I guess it's the tricep tendon that attaches to the elbow. Anyway, but the thing is that uh, it's it's it was full of liquid and it was like it just ballooned up. You remember that? Yeah, I, it looked yeah. like a tennis ball. Yeah, that's was literally thing. sewed up under your elbow. It was it was totally ridiculous. Yeah. Out of nowhere, too. Yeah, out of nowhere, and it just hurt. Like yeah, I remember we were taking the ring down. On, yeah. on Sunday night um, in in Tallinn, and as I, as I, as I was carrying the ring parts, I just thought like, man, it's like this just hurts so damn much. I don't want to be carrying nothing. But then it's like, well, we got to get this ring out of here. But the thing is that like. I've been staying away from especially pressing motions now because it's just, I can't put any pressure on it. It's like one of these freak accidents that just happens in the business. And uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be nursing this thing for a while uh, as, I, as I work my way back to health. And I've got some dates coming up next month in Germany and um, in Russia and uh, some other places. And uh, basically, the the wrestling really picks up now in the fall, like yeah. for me personally. So All the right. thing is, I got to get this thing, you know, taken care of. Tomorrow, I actually go for this thing. They call it uh, the fire needle. Okay. It's an acupuncture needle, which is pretty <laughs> thick, by the way. Oh. And they heat it to 400 degrees. All right. Well, yeah. I won't be having any of that anytime soon. I don't yeah. Think. Well, the thing is, the catch is this. They puncture whatever part of your body it is the, through the skin, and it goes in, let's say, about a half a centimeter or what, what have you, maybe even a centimeter. Um, and it, it, it basically recruits all the white blood cells into that area. Hmm. It causes like a, 
a wound, of course, yeah. uh, in that area, like in, in immediately your body, the, how could you say the, um, fight or flight or rescue or whatever you want to call it. The, um, the, rep- the, the reparation system yeah, kicks yeah. in and it just sends a whole crap load of, uh, these, these, uh, white blood cells into that area and, and then kind of like induces healing. Yeah. So let's see what happens. That's like going to be tomorrow. And, uh, well, I'm looking. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I guess it cauter- cauterizes the wound so it won't yeah. get infected as far as I understand that. Well, that too. Yeah. And then, but it also, I guess it, so- it sounds, hey, it sounds like it could work, but, uh. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah, you got to uh, let us know. And it isn't, uh, Tajiri do that, uh, acupuncture stuff. Yeah, but that's different. That's like the needle acupuncture. He, he does like the real deal, like yeah. Chinese. Ch- Chinese medicine. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So this is, I guess this is like similar. I guess it's like Chinese medicine to some degree, but the thing is that it's just, this is like extreme. Like when yeah. you, when you are really screwed and you need like immediate help. I guess this fire needle is the thing that uh, that does the trick. Soon, uh, Jimmy Havoc's going to put that into one of his matches. Have the the fire needle of death or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> he'll, he'll be healing people. Well, I'll tell you what. If you hit, if you if you hit a nerve with that fire needle, oh yeah, I can just uh, I can tell you it's. I've had it a few times, by the way, in my forearms. Okay, um, and it, it's pretty it's pretty neat. It's it's a very unique feeling afterwards. That much I tell you. All right. Yeah. Well, hopefully I don't need it in any nearer future, but uh, then again, I guess it sounds as, sounds as though the theory is uh, quite all right. But um, interesting enough, um, kind of brings me to to this uh, idea of these, like a deathmatch wrestling, garbage wrestling for one, you know, I think actually uh, maybe we'll just touch on this for a second because I uh, wanted to talk to you about this before a few times, but when we were doing talk about that garbage wrestling, but... Because I think that, um, let's call it deathmatch wrestling, I think it can be done well, mm. uh, you know, and then it can be done, like, horribly. Well, have you seen the old death matches from IWA in Japan? Yeah, I have seen... Uh, Cactus old, Jack and Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah. And, and Onita, like, back in those days, Onita, and, you know, I've seen some barbed wire exploding... The, the names of the matches are, like, you know, three pages long, and they sound, like, total ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not talking about, like, piranha in a box match or whatever, but, um, but I've seen these matches that actually, uh, they instill emotions in you. Mm-hmm. Like, and the guys don't, you can tell that they don't want to hit that wire. It's kind of like, you know, watching a Saw movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think Terry Funk, uh, like I I was so, I've always been so in awe of him because I find, I don't know, I think he's one of the best of all time. And, um, definitely that. And yeah, exactly. And because he could do straight up wrestling like a hard fought wrestling match and then mm. somehow he could make this uh this death match style um you know of course I'm I'm sure not all of his you know death match wrestling matches maybe what was it Mr. Pogo or whatever I never was a big mm-hmm. fan of him but anyway at least um they were they they made you scared yeah um and so I thought I think that death match wrestling can be done like I call it that, I guess it's more like extreme or hardcore, uh, you know, deathmatch stuff from back in Japan. And I guess in Texas, you know, mm. we talked about that. And I think that it, it can be done really well. And then it can be done in this way where it's like needless, over-the-top, ultra-violence that um, serves no greater purpose. Mm. And say they do a barbed wire rope match and it's like the first 
few seconds of the match, guys are mm. are covered in blood immediately, yeah. and it just loses it just loses all shock. The shock mm. is gone mm. because it's you've been shocked to death, and uh, nothing's there. So, like gratuitous violence for the sake of violence yeah. serves no purpose. Because the thing is that if you think of like drama in in general, um, the the catch, like let's say in the old horror movies from the seventies, mm. like Halloween and yeah, the, yeah. Old, the old Friday the Thirteenth. First of all, they didn't show when the actual blade went in, for example, mm, you know, they, yeah. would, they would, they would tease certain like camera angles and whatnot, but then right at that critical second, they wouldn't show you what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. That would be the psychological horror. There you go. Um, and whereas like, it's kind of like, you know, that one high spot in the movie where like the shizat hits the fan and like, yeah. the whole thing come, comes undone or whatever. If you save it for that, it's like you build towards it the whole time. It's kind of like sex, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's like as a man, you blow your load maybe once, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I mean, if you get older, maybe <laughs> it's once, but when you're younger, you could blow, probably get away with like three or four times. There you go. Then it starts to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't PG, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but anyway, so this is life, ladies and gentlemen. It's the way the uh, shizat rolls. That's it. Um... But the thing is that that really you know it's like it is much like sex because the thing is that it's it's a roller coaster you're it's almost like you're edging you're getting right close to that edge and you're not going over and mm-hmm. then finally when you you feel you can't get any higher you take it home yeah and that's when you let it go mm-hmm. and the thing is that uh, in 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 rock and roll or in in wrestling or whatever I mean there's there's got to be a dramatic curve like let's say even to gigs and whatnot yeah, right yeah, so yeah. it's like how you finish a gig or what's the high spot of the of the gig itself or of whatever. Course. And the movies are no different. Mm. So therefore, um, with death matches, if all you have is just this gratuitous violence for the sake of violence, you've got nothing. Mm. Because it's kind of like James Bond movies when they, I think with Pierce Brosnan, they lost the ball. Mm. Because the thing is that James Bond never used to be an action movie. Yeah, that's true. It was it had action. It had action, but it wasn't an action movie. It was mm. more like a drama, spy movie, spy movie, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and then it just became this bang, 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 just like mm. boom, 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 shoot him up, shoot him up, throughout the whole thing. And mm. it's like at that point, it's like it's just redundant. Yeah, it's not that exciting anymore. It's true. I mean, uh, th- it's the funny thing too because I think deathmatch. When when you hear deathmatch, I mean, you all t- automatically. Uh, I mean, maybe not you, but uh, most people who might not be so um, adverse or have uh, got a, a lot of, um, I guess, uh, education in uh, in all these forms of pro wrestling. But you probably immediately think barbed wire, blood all over the place, and light tubes and and uh, exploding this and that. But there's like Texas Deathmatch that are. I guess that's like a false county where almost, I think it's a last man standing. I can't remember, but it's, it's not really like a barbed wire match. It's, it's a. No, no. Texas death match is more like last man standing yeah. style. Whereas. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like what I'm saying is that, uh, you could have barbed wire there. You could have, it could be a total like beat down guys. Just, you know, there's no rules mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, total no holds barred and you're bloodying. There's loads of blood because it's a fight, you mm-hmm. know? You punch somebody in the face, their nose is going to bleed, and you know mm-hmm. you get hit them on the correct spot of the face, they're going to bleed. Mm-hmm. You know, like a UFC fight, a lot of the times there's blood there because boxing match there's blood. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see blood because 
it's a hard fought contest guys are f- like in a way quote unquote fighting to the death but of course not really mm-hmm. they're fighting to win and but they're fighting as if their life depended on it yeah and i think that that's the thing to understand there and yeah you can add all these stipulations of you know these double hell barbed wire exploding boards and thumbtacks and nail beds and glass and this that and the other um but if you don't make it dramatic then it is it is just like well there are horror movies that are that you know they don't hold anything back they just show you everything right away and mm-hmm. they a lot of the times they ruin it oh yeah because maybe the special effects aren't very good mm-hmm. you know if they even like those low budget movies that um they don't got they got enough budget to show you one decapitation yeah. that's all they got so yeah, they just yeah. tease everything and they just can't show it to you so they don't mm. and then when they do show that decapitation or whatever it might be um it's like brutal mm-hmm. and it has been built up like you just talked about so if you could do it that way i, I mean i'm all for it and and i think it can be dramatic and of course not all the time you can't have an entire show or well, i guess you could have an entire show with all death matches but you need to you still need the drama and it's you can't just have just gratuitous violence from front to back but this was actually going to supposed to be a shorter segment <laughs> <laughs> but i wanted to say cuz i was listening to the the cornet experience and uh he mentioned uh, this small little tid- tidbit of a gif or a little thing that somebody had sent him and uh, it was a death match thing in the states um and uh, I guess uh, these deathmatch wrestlers have this is their thing or whatever they they are probably most likely only booked for death matches and there was some spot on the top of a ladder big tall ladder with that was bridged together with light tubes and all that kind of jazz and they did a brain buster from the top of the ladder through the light tubes to the floor spectacular whatever you want to call it and immediately uh, there was just pool pooling of blood like. Uh, you know, uh, gratuitous pooling of blood. Guy rolls out of the ring and runs to the back, you know. Turns out um, he punctured some artery and sliced up, I think, under his armpit, mm. this area. Mm. And uh, as you can see on the radio that uh, <laughs> where I'm pointing, but, uh, and uh, it was super severe uh, situation. Of course, being in the United States, mm. you don't have, uh, I guess, a very good health coverage. So he needed he needs quite badly surgery, and the the debate here is he started to go fund me uh, account you know help me out to pay for my surgery so I can you know recover or you know whatever continue it is. my life continue yeah and uh, I feel for the guy being injured and all that, but Cornette pointed out, and I want this is a debate right because the people have been you know uh putting money towards this guy's hospital bills right mm-hmm. um is there, he said about, uh, are there no starving children? Are there no, are people who have suffered a tragedy where they, co- they couldn't avoid a situation? Somebody got hit by a car or, you know, where the car lost control or, and, you know, then they need their hospital bills paid or, you mm. know, th- these kind of real tragedies. And he's saying, arguing mm. that, of course, he uses much more uh, profane or profanity uh, riddled uh, sentences but the the dumb fuck who hurt himself mm. should we be paying for his hospital bills mm-hmm. and this is a thing of course the guy's got fans people appreciate that but do you think um 
of course, it's also this other thing. We're both from Canada and we live in Finland, where, where we have both countries have quite decent healthcare mm-hmm. um, that uh, we don't have to uh, upfront usually pay too much for. Mm-hmm. Even when we do have to pay for it, I don't think it's actually that expensive, especially knowing the prices in the states. Yeah, but um, as a pro wrestler yourself, and I know you're not a deathmatch guy, but be that as it may, I mean, you just injured your elbow being, because you're a pro wrestler. You, it's mm-hmm. not, uh, I mean, as you said, it's not a, it's not fake. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where do you stand on that? Do you think people should support deathmatch guys or guys who are, you know, kind of doing this garbage wrestling and hurting themselves in pretty obvious situations? Or do you think like Corny might be right that, uh, maybe put your money towards, um, an actual starving situation or, you know, tragedy? Well, the thing is that I think it's a moot point. And the reason is because um, there's this saying that I've understood uh, over the years, which holds true in life and across the board. And that is that value comes to value. So, and the thing is that before you sell anything, now it doesn't matter what business that you're in, it doesn't matter um, what it is that, that you're trying to peddle. But the thing is that before you can actually... Um, like there's a guy called Simon Sinek. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. He's got a website called startwithy.com. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's got this slogan and says that people don't buy what you sell. They buy what you believe. Hmm. Yeah. And that's where value comes to value. And I really believe that personally. The thing is that, um, you know, like, let's say I'm, I'm personally a conservative, traditional minded guy. Right. For the most part. Um, and, and that means that the people that gravitate towards me are more than likely going to share the same value structure. Mm, yeah. The people that have sympathy for what I do are more than likely going to have the same value structure mm. because it's going to resonate because value comes to value. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I doubt that somebody who's very liberal, somebody who is very, you know, just, you know, a, a modern person that... that I don't think that they're going to be too sympathetic towards somebody who's very conservative. I hear you. Yeah. So therefore, a guy that goes and does death matches and slices himself up and and uh, ends up with these horrendous hospital bills. Yeah. Um, there are people out there who sympathize with what he does because they like what he does. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore. Whatever support that he's getting, Corny can say whatever he wants, but the thing is, this is the truth, is is the fact that he, there are people that will gravitate towards him for the sake of the fact that they enjoy what he does. Therefore, they will have sympathy on him in this situation. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't be that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to put money towards that because I feel like nothing, I don't feel compelled to help this guy because the things that I think what he did was unnecessary and stupid. Yeah. So therefore I'm not, I'm, I'm the wrong audience for him. I hear you. Right. Yeah. So, and the same thing applies to like all across the board. Just think of bands. Mm. Like not everybody's going to like Metallica. Mm. Yeah. Right. Not everybody's going to like Iron Maiden. Not everybody's going to like Slayer. So therefore, it's like only the people that gravitate towards that are going to buy your shit. Mm. That's my answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> it's a pretty diplomatic yet uh, quite truthful answer. And I I think that it, it is that way that when you... Because there are people who who are super huge fans of deathmatch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they might absolutely hate uh, traditional style wrestling. You never know. Yeah, they would hate to see Billy Robinson 
wrestle Nick Bockwinkel for 55 minutes. They probably just wouldn't get it, right? Yeah, no, no. You know, and uh, and vice versa, I guess. And then there are people who are, I guess I, I like to say that I'm a fan of, of the the gamut. And I, I would say it that if they're good wrestlers mm-hmm. and they're doing, like what we said, Terry Funk, mm-hmm. Sabu and... Um, well, the slew. There's a huge amount. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved Mike Awesome when he was, uh, I think, at his peak, and he he did some pretty extreme things and uh, for a big dude. And and there's a lot of guys in ECW who were like really great wrestlers. There was mm-hmm. also the guys who weren't, mm-hmm. but you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if it's the same thing, music is great. All music is quite good when it's good. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of pretty shizat out, pretty big shizat out there. Oh yeah, and it's. It's kind of projected to you as this is good, but mm-hmm. it's not. And uh, well, but, it's like Jake Roberts said that you can make chicken soup out of chicken shit, <laughs> but it'll still taste like chicken shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Jake Roberts has some good sayings. I'll tell oh, you. he's he's a wise man. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. You. But um, what we're I think we're, we'll take a break in just a sec. But what uh, we'll do some more news and things. There's so much stuff going on. But I wanted to touch a lot today anyway. See how far we can get with the nepotism in professional wrestling specifically and uh, kind of uh, is it a good thing for the business or does it hinder something? And uh, I think there's there's two very specific thoughts on this. Uh, and I think if you're looking at it from the out, outside perspective where maybe you don't have the history of pro wrestling um, to, I guess, in your, in your brain, you might not get it as well as uh, somebody like yourself who's quite... Uh, versed in the the whole history business. But um, yeah, let's take a break with our sponsors and we'll come back and we'll at some point get into some nepotism. Hey there, my name is Michael Muchalai, better known in the pro wrestling world as the Rebel Starbuck. I've decided to launch a brand new live action entertainment venture called Slam Wrestling Finland, which is an on-demand service offering the best top-of-the-line professional wrestlers out of Europe today. We can custom tailor the entire show from start to finish. Girls matches, triple threat matches, tag team matches, or then the good old one-on-one damn good wrestling match. If you've got something in mind, we'll find the right guy or girl for the job. Slam Wrestling Finland is an on-demand live service that offers you as the customer the opportunity to choose as many matches as you would like. Contact us today at slamrest.fi or slamsports.eu. Red Skull Hot Sauce. Fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce. On Facebook and Instagram. All right, and we're back, and we are shooting the shiz at here. I got Starbuck and myself, Dylan Broad, and we're going to be talking a bit about nepotism in a moment, but uh, we have some more, I guess, pro wrestling stuff happening, so um, we can slide into the nepotism business about, you know, uh, companies that are either family-run or run by a bunch of friends, uh, like... um, Example, say Stampede Wrestling. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, all Elite Wrestling now is run basically by a group of friends. And I guess we could, WWE. Yes. Well, they're, they're, I'm pretty sure some people might have heard of that company. But um, And then some companies who don't really display mm-hmm. this nepotism. And I'm, I actually had a really hard time to figure out any But um, in the pro wrestling world. But... News, slight news anyway, this uh, smiley Kylie Ray, she's um, retired from pro wrestling. I think after two years pro, uh, from what I understand, she was signed to AEW with a full contract. They pushed her quite at the top of the women's division. Mm -hmm. They had many, I think, um, pieces um, on her personal I guess, development and, and all this kind of thing. And uh, for reasons unknown, she asked for her release and won't be wrestling for anybody else uh, as well because she is, at the moment, on a seemingly permanent hiatus from wrestling. So, I don't know. I, I saw some pretty okay things from her, so it's a little bit strange, but I guess it is a business of strange things. A bit of a Bailey ripoff, though. Yeah, that's true. And maybe that was what it was. Maybe she couldn't uh, handle the... I mean, this is all total speculation. Maybe she couldn't handle the the comparison or people were, you know... Mm. Because uh, being a pro wrestler, you're, you're basically opening yourself up to probably some of the most brutal critics there oh, are, yeah. like us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're not from the worst end, are No, we? that's true. But the thing is, you know, it's like... Everybody has a, has an opinion, just like everybody has, a, has an asshole. Yeah. Um, and everybody shiz at. Mm. So therefore, uh, I think that, you know, I had a friend, uh, who was a singer and he just, he's a Latino guy. He just could not accept like any criticism whatsoever that was directed towards him for his performances. Mm. Yeah. Like if he didn't hit all the notes, for example, at a live show, or then, uh, if he, uh, whatever. So like if people didn't like specifically what he did or that they didn't grade like 10 points out of 10, you know, he would have a conniption. Yeah. Uh, or then he'd get, get upset. And I said to him at one point, I said that, you know, what you have to do is you have to think of like, let's say Ozzy Osbourne. Like Ozzy has not put out anything significant for over 20 years. Like his albums have not been good. I mean, he's had maybe his, like single songs that have been okay. Uh, but otherwise, as far as like albums go, he's not done anything really good True. since No More Tears. Mm-hmm. Osmosis was not really that good of an album. It was very mellow too. Anyway, but so my point is this, that Ozzy does not go online and he does not answer his critics and he doesn't go and defend himself and do apologetics uh, when he puts out his next album. He never yeah. goes out and says, that, you know, this is the greatest shit ever. No, he's actually said publicly that he knows he hasn't done anything great for a long, long, long time. Mm. But the thing is that people come to hear the hits. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, it's like you have to have tough and thick skin. And that's where like in this day and age, like let's say this Miley Cyrus, what's her name? Yeah, uh, Smiley Kylie Ray. I okay, think. yeah, not Miley Cyrus, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's a, a different uh, yeah. and, uh, person in the business. A different, a different, <laughs> a different ninja turtle. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, you got to have tough skin because the thing is that people are going to always have, especially people who, people who don't know you or people who don't like you. Like I said, if they don't gravitate towards what you do, they're not, they're not going to have sympathy towards you. And that's when the, the, the criticism becomes brutal. People that hate Donald Trump literally verbally crucify him, Mm. right? They literally 
crucify him with their words yeah as the lowest form of scum on the earth now he's not as bad as people make him out to be you know yeah i mean uh, people are when people don't like things i think in this day and age and i won't say that like i'm not i'm not an american politician or anything like that i, I mean so i stay out of that whole kind of deal but um you know i won't give my opinion here but uh i think that USA! <laughs> Hacksaw, be quiet. Yeah, geez. Get back in the bag. But, uh... <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Sorry. Put away your wood. But, um... <laughs> you're, this is, you're going for another this one. This does not fucking translate well. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I think people are... Yeah. People are pretty brutal with uh, whenever they give criticism, and and this is what I think as well. If if you if you have a real legit gripe, especially with say a politician, when you kind of um, belittle them to the point where you kind of you know put them in the same boat as like a pedophile or a, or a rapist, or you know maybe maybe you kind of make you say that they're a rapist because some rape occurred for in your opinion because of some thing that they um they signed a, a a bill to law that did whatever and at some somebody was raped at a rally i don't know you know and then you say that it you kind of say that donald trump or or the person i don't not saying that this happened with donald trump but it's a very poor <laughs> uh example but um and then you compare them to being you know this kind of level mm. i think that it it completely uh, negates then your argument like whenever what then what you're going to say next mm -hmm. i don't even want to hear it because you know it's when when somebody does all this name calling mm. it's very childish to me and when it when you get all like just really blatant insulting towards somebody just because you don't like them triggered is what they call triggered, it. i guess yeah, yeah. yeah and you just start going off your rocker yeah and saying just uh just things to for the point of being insulting, I just, to me, then you'd have, you really have no more, I don't want to listen to your argument, even if it's legit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, it's a bad, another example, but when I, I listen, at least used to, I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but coast to coast radio in, in the States, this, uh, kind of, uh, conspiracy aliens and all this kind of radio. And I, I loved it, but a buddy of mine was saying he can't listen to it because he'll hear some really great, a scientist or something on there talking about different dimensions and these aliens coming through and it's really interesting and all that or or you know some kind of weird thing about sleep paralysis and and whatever demons coming through and it's totally crazy stuff and then they'll do a segment about bigfoot and for some reason that just made him think that well this whole show is a bunch of crap yeah you know and i don't know there's a bunch of people who think Bigfoot is totally a thing. Fair enough, but uh, it it's like when you make something sound so ridiculous, then you just don't want to listen to the to the rest. And mm -hmm. sometimes that can happen in wrestling when you have a wrestling match that's so ridiculous and over the top clown shit. Mm -hmm. She's at mm -hmm. you know you don't even want to watch the rest of the show, and there could be like a stellar main event. Or you can have like, let's say a really good match going on and the guys or the girls or whoever will prostitute the match for one spot. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where they'll quote unquote, give it away mm. 
in that one spot. And the thing is, how do you retain or regain your credibility after prostituting it? Yeah. That's the thing. So it's like, that's like in wrestling, they say that one bad punch can ruin the entire match. One shitty lockup can ruin the entire match. Yeah. Right. So the thing is that unless it's solid all the way through, thank God we had people like Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, because Mm -hmm. these are the guys that made it solid all the way through. Yeah. But, uh, unless it's solid all the way through, the thing is that you can't retain your credibility, like just like, let's say by proxy. Yeah. Right. But uh, I think today people kind of, they, uh, look past a lot of that. That's the thing. And do you know why? Well, tell me. Well, this is my own theory, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I believe the reason for this, why they look past it is because that the, the general standard for pretty much everything in the world has been taken down because of the influx of, I would say like technology and social media, especially because everybody got their 50 minutes of fame. Anybody can be a YouTube star. Yeah. You know, you can eat your different cereals and cracker barrels and whatever you want, and you can give them grades on your YouTube show and people will, you know, show up. These kids will like watch it in the millions. Mm. And it's like, it's entirely devoid of any substance, to be honest with you. It's like, it's just mindless info entertainment or info or like entertainment or like lack of entertainment or whatever you want to consider it to be, but it will draw the numbers. Mm. So it's, or then it's like a beauty pageant where like now they've taken away, I think it's the Miss USA or the Miss America, which one was it just about a year ago? Yeah. There was this thing in the news where they said they're going to take out the uh, swimsuit pageant and the nightgown uh, pageant or the, not the pageant, but the, yeah. the rounds. Sure. Sure. Right. Because I don't know if it was like, because it's sexist or because it's like, you know, whatever, but it's ridiculous because the thing is that like, unless you have a standard Mm. that you abide by and say that this is what we represent, right? I mean, it's the the, only for the best, only for the prettiest, only for the most beautiful, whatever you, you cannot retain your credibility then. No. And that's where, when you take it down you, and you, you strip it down all across the board and you let in everybody, you have no more barriers, no more borders, no nothing. Yeah. You just let in everybody. Everybody's welcome. Mm. Um, what happens is that you water it down. Well, it, I mean, in that way, let's say they take away the swimsuit and pageant or what it would, uh, evening gown mm-hmm. uh, rounds because somebody thinks that it's sexist. Well, on that on that basis, that um, whatever, that allegation, the whole bloody competition is then sexist. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a beauty. It, it, I mean, come on. It's a, it's a pageant or it's a contest of like uh, looks. And of course, there's other little things involved, but they all pertain in the end to... It's that, let's say, a personality and looks. Mm. Aesthetics. Aesthetics. Mm-hmm. It's all about, and come on, you can't tell me that, you know, people aren't putting it on a show in terms of the personality mm-hmm. side of things. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, you know, feed everybody in Africa or whatever they would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, so that, it's a pretty, very shizaddy argument there if they're, you know, if they're going to go that route. But um, nonetheless, I guess we were talking about Miley Cyrus, Kylie Ray here, <laughs> but um, yeah, we got, we got off track. But that's cool. But this is a random episode. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but the uh, the thing 
um, funny thing also with that Coronet experience, he was they were calling, which I love this too. They were calling Joey Janella Jelly, Jelly Janella, and I thought like we should start <laughs> calling him Jelly Janelli because I think yeah, he should probably not? start calling himself Jelly Janelli. Yeah, you know, so. And it should do it with the Dusty Roads, like uh, Jelly Tanelli. I can't even do it. Did, if I actually read right on, I think it was Facebook, mm. they had this Takayama mania in Japan. So Hiroshi yeah. Takayama, yeah, yeah. who suffered a, a very debilitating, um, I think it was a stroke. Or uh, he had a, a horrible neck injury, I know yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure, but I, it might have led to a stroke. Yeah, and, and he's been like comatose in the, in, the, in the hospital for a long time, and now he's out of this... Uh, He's it's been com- wrestling. Comatose. Th- no, he's not been wrestling. Not, Takayama? Not. Hiroshi Takayama. The, no, geez, Takayama is still in the hospital. Okay, maybe man. I'm thinking about another. You're talking about, yeah, you're talking about somebody else. Somebody other. No, no we're talking about the guy that <laughs> fought Don Fry and he's. He did, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. No, I got totally another guy. Yeah, Minoru, Minoru Suzuki's good friend. Yeah. Anyway, so the thing is that I I, I, I saw the uh, the results or some kind of um, news piece on this Takayama mania. So like what it, Takayama mania is an event that they hold in Tokyo to raise funds to help Hiroshi Takayama uh, in this dire time of need with his uh, yeah, okay. with his hospital bills. And I'm looking and at him right now, so yeah. I totally confused him with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, so I heard, or sorry, I read that they had Janelli <laughs> on that show and Joey Ryan. Okay, well, there you go. What? the hell is going on in Japan? Well, I know that... Uh, G- I don't get it. Janelli's G- uh, uh, GCW uh, was in Japan for a thing, so they might have taken part of that uh, Takayama Mania or something like that. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see their match. You know, it, it's a, this uh, kind of phenomenon with uh, Joey Ryan and and uh, Jelly Janelli is that... Um, like guys, credible guys, mm. um, like uh, totally are down with selling for those guys. Uh, I don't know. Mick Foley even took the the dick flip, and uh, I know Tommy Dreamer sold for all those guys. Uh, um, but so, what are like? Maybe is it us that are missing something? Are they just realizing that those guys sell tickets in their market? You know, and they they allow allow it and you know i guess they they believe that wrestling's changed now and you can't take it back so they might well, jump yeah. on the bandwagon or what i don't know you know the thing is that i know, I know we're supposed to get to this nepotism thing like yeah. as as a theme this week but uh before <laughs> will we ever <laughs> before we do yeah um i was just talking about this that you're just mentioning now this this entire phenomenon mm. with shauna oh yeah uh in tallinn uh just over a week back and uh I was saying that, you know, well, I'm not the high spot wrestler type of guy myself, right? So it's like, I don't do this modern gaga that I consider to be gaga. Um, that, you know, I'll just, I'll give you that damn good traditional wrestling match in the vein of, let's say, you know, Brett the Hitman Hart or the Million Dollar Man or, or let's say Tully Blanchard or Arn Anderson, whatever. Um, and then she said that, that because the business has changed so much that's like people aren't looking at wrestling anymore as like the way that I look at it, for example, Mm -hmm. like the, the, the newer crowd now doesn't look at wrestling as, as a sporting endeavor in that way. 
the the way they look at it from this entertainment aspect that are they entertained and what they're they, the only thing they're going for is pops right they're just looking to pop the crowd now it doesn't matter how they pop them it can be with a dick flip it can be with a pop bottle you know the the wine bottle fucking cap just shooting off or i don't know what the heck uh it it can be uh from you know the death match stuff it can be from a crazy high spot you know just unbelievable let's say a spanish fly off the top rope through yeah, a, yeah. through three tables onto the floor or something sure but all they're fishing for and all they're going for is pops so it it ceases to be any semblance of professional wrestling anymore hmm. yeah it's it's morphed into um, it's not professional wrestling anymore, but it's, it's some kind of sports entertainment. That's what it is now. It's uh, by and large. Now there are still some companies out there that are staying the course, new Japan, for example. Yeah. Right. And God bless them for that. Uh, and once again, now I once again, go back to what I said earlier. I said that people gravitate towards what you believe. So, if you as a company, let's say New Japan Pro Wrestling, believe in presenting a credible, hard-hitting, uh, athletic style of wrestling, then that that crowd that appreciates that type of wrestling is going to gravitate towards you and watch your product. Mm. If if what you like is more gaga, then there are companies out there that will cater to your gaga nerve. And you're going to like their stuff, which is not going to be the credible wrestling. It's going to be the fishing for pops kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. So that's where we get, you know, that, that, uh, whole kit and caboodle, but, uh, onto the nepotism, I think. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I want to, well, we'll talk about a little bit later or we can touch on that whole, um, uh, the belt being stolen in the AEW. Hey, was that legit? Well, uh, Apparently it was legit. I don't know if it was stolen. Yeah. Um, this is the story in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, Jericho uh, got off the plane. Yeah. Uh, went or there his he picked up the wrong bag. Yeah. Uh, from I guess the checked bag, checked luggage. Uh-huh. I think he had the belt on him, uh-huh. personal, uh-huh. like personally. Right. Then um, he, I guess, while well, he waited. Uh-huh. Uh, as far I'm probably botching the story, but while he waited to get uh, his proper luggage, mm. uh, he took a limo mm. to this Longhorn Steakhouse. Is that what it is? Mm. And uh, left the belt in the limo, mm. believing that it would be safe mm. in a limousine. Yeah. Um, that limo driver then was sent back to the airport to pick up his uh, real checked bag. Uh-huh. And when the limo driver returned. He had his new check or his real check bag, but no belt. Uh-huh. And um, so... So there somebody was, got into the car and took the belt Well, this out is of the, the weird thing, right? Yeah. Like, okay. shouldn't the... Like, what where, What was the limo driver doing? I guess yeah. we'll never know. Right. Uh, then Jericho actually filed for a police report. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, there was a legit real police report mm-hmm. uh, claiming this missing piece of property worth up to in around $30,000. Oof, that's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, it's not it's not a replica. And uh, they did find it a day later. And as, I don't know what's the reality of the story, but supposedly somebody found it uh, ditched on the side of the road. Is that true? Somebody tell me. 
maybe if uh, Chris, if you're listening, <laughs> let us know uh, if you want. But um, yeah, and uh, and then the uh, they recovered the belt. So I don't know. Uh, I was even thinking like if it was going to be a a work. Uh, there's been a lot of guys who've gotten in trouble with false police reports. Yeah, that I know. So it would have uh, it would have had to go deep, you know. And of course, uh, I guess it could have been worked. But if they ever if it was ever found out that it was a worked situation, mm. it would be it would be pretty pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. right now when they are trying to get a uh, a foothold in here just before their TV. But they got a hell of a lot of publicity for that. They did, and mm. that—that's the and Jericho spun it off so nice. And did you see his like little promos where yeah, he's in yeah. the hot tub and yeah, yeah, you know all that yeah, stuff, and that yeah. he's you know having the uh, he a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That thing caught on. By oh, the man, way, he's got this Jump. hottest selling shirt and everything like that. Jeez. Yeah, he's got memes all across oh, the man. freaking internet. People now. are doing music videos and all that kind of stuff. It's just fantastic, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that was the the most interesting, and of course he played it off like it was a work. So I think you know people. That's if it wasn't you know f- all well and good. But the thing was that when you can take what is it the lemons and turn it into lemonade or or Mike's hard lemonade or whatever you want to yeah. drink or whatever. But right. when you can take something shizzati and turn it into some gold. He seems to be the king of the world to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was one of his uh, slogans back in the day, by the way. King of the world. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I actually had this Jericho t-shirt uh, back in, was it 2008? I went to Florida with with one of my friends. Yeah. And uh, we, I stopped off at Jericho's place and uh, he gave me some t-shirts and whatnot. One of them, it was a WCW t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. But on the back, king of the world. There you go. Yeah. Jeez. You got to dig those up. But yeah, nepotism. <laughs> Finally. We're here. Yeah, Halfway we made through it. the episode. And we'll see you next week. On <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, though. If I if it was that Lance Storms deal, if I can be serious for a moment, uh, that was a good gimmick anyway. But um, by you, the way, I was yeah. the guy who I got confused with. Uh, uh, Takayama. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Tomoaki Honma. That ah. guy, he had the severe neck injury, right? And but he's wrestling back in New Japan. He was a, he's a ex, I guess ex death death match mm. star. So, and that guy can work his ass off. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But anyway, nepotism in New Japan pro wrestling, by the way. Mm. So, if we go back in the day, I mean, we're talking nepotism can be also, I guess, down to if you own the company and you make yourself the star of the company. Okay, so so we're not actually like gonna consider nepotism in the sense that uh, like pushing your best friends. We can. I mean, I'm talking all over the board here. Okay, you know, but also you know down to uh, Inoki and Giant Baba and mm-hmm. those kind of guys. Um, of course, they also pushed the stars that people gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's probably a reason why Inoki won quite a hell of a lot of times in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that he wasn't good, you know. Um, and I guess he did allow, was it uh, Hulk Hogan to go over uh, to win the first ever, ever IWGP heavyweight 
I guess it wasn't. It was more of like a tournament or something at that point. But he, mm-hmm. I think Hogan was the first IWGP Heavyweight Champion hmm. uh, before it was a like a belt that was defended. I guess. Okay. Um, anyway, but uh, then we we can talk like uh, outside of Japan. I mean, it's it's rampant through American pro wrestling. You have the heart foundation or heart family in the the uh, stampede wrestling you know that was that's pretty obvious well, but then no. I, I wonder because i i didn't get a chance so much at, at the time to see any stampede wrestling but um i mean you were basically in the thick of things over there at a certain point mm-hmm. and uh was it so that uh the hearts were kind of uh, automatically on top of everything or did they have to go through even like a tougher grind or the same kind of grind to get there you know, we should i was going to ask maybe this to the harry smith actually when we were talking yeah well the thing is i'm not quite sure because they, I, i think that like there was a certain how could you say a given that uh let's say the reason why nepotism exists in pro wrestling is because that when everyone else is transient And everyone else is going to come and go. They're just journeymen. The, who are you going to count on? Who are, at the end of the day, who are you going to count on as the promoter, as the one forking the money out and paying everybody and trying to make a living off this thing and, and facilitating work for other people? Yeah. Who are you going to count on to carry your company? And, oh, that's it, yeah. And that's the thing is like, everybody else can come and go, but you're going to count on your family. And that's why the Von Erichs down in Texas... That's why the hearts up in Calgary, up in Canada. Um, that's that's why all across the board. I mean, you've had these different uh, McMahon's for crying out loud. Yeah. New York City. We're talking about uh, why does why is Shane featured now? Well, I mean, that's obvious because Vince runs the company, and uh, he's that's his that's Vince's son, um, et cetera, et cetera. What, Triple H. Why was he on top for so long? Well, he was married to Stephanie. Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. and the thing is that. In the AWA, Vern Gagne. Uh, now, if it wasn't Vern, you know, Vern tried to push his son, Greg, for the, for the life of him, you know, decent enough athlete, just didn't look really much of anything. But, I mean, Greg never had the, the, the something that his father had. And even though Vern wanted to push his son, people just didn't buy Greg as a main event guy. Uh, Larry Zabisco, who's not directly related like or in blood to Vern Gagne back in the in the AWA but he was married to Vern's daughter so like that's the whole thing is is that when you have people next to you that you can count as family you know that in the tough times there's going to be a greater bond between you and that other person which is why you're going to bank your marbles on mm. them instead of the you know the guy next to them yeah yeah So that's where, I, like, I, I completely understand that. Like, if you're just a transient journeyman and you're willing to, you know, go to the highest bidder, if somebody offers you, let's say you were working for Stu Hart. This is a really good example. Yeah. If you're working up in Calgary, you're, you're working, like, back in the day, let's say five, six nights a week, maybe, you know, at certain points, seven nights a week, but still, let's say, on average, five days a week, okay? Mm-hmm. You're doing these terrible tours as far as like the, the trips are just grueling. You know, yeah. it's, it's brutal, brutal trips. Um, all across the prairies, up in British Columbia, even into the Yukon, places like that, and, and, and uh, Manitoba, or, or then Saskatchewan. And 
you get a better deal, let's say out of Minnesota from Vern Gagne, and Vern offers you a shorter travel, uh, like not dates, but let's say like a shorter travel schedule. So it's lighter for you to travel because you're not traveling as much and you're still getting paid the same, if not maybe even a bit more, because let's say maybe business is hotter there, you know, like yeah. in, in Minnesota for whatever reason, let's say St. Paul and, and whatever the twin cities there, the business is better there for, for the, for the moment. Yeah. Right. So you're going to be making more money, maybe working the same amount of dates or maybe even one or two dates less per week, depending on what the loop is. Instead of working territories, like let's say Bill Watts, like for UWF, uh, Mid-South, where the, the, also the travel schedule was just insane. Uh, or or then let's say just locally, let's say like Florida, where you're working like for Eddie Graham back in the day, where it's just Florida. Yeah. No other state, just Florida. So that's that's the thing. You know, guys will take a better deal if they can find one. The guys will... You know, like to a large degree, pro wrestlers are prostitutes. Hmm. They're not sluts. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're prostitutes. Right, right. Because they will show no affinity. They will show no loyalty to, let's say, a said promoter if they can get work from another promoter. If someone else will pay their wage and give them, facilitate work for them, uh, there's very few guys out there that are, that are going to say that, uh, look, I'm going to be loyal to this one guy here because he's the one that used me the best and whatever. Now I did this before I was, I was offered, uh, which I think I chronicled here last week or the week before, uh, at one point to go to new Japan. Right. It, it was 2012 and I was, I was propositioned. And at that point to Jiri's company, which was at the, uh, this company called WNC wrestling, new classic, uh, they had a bit of a hard grind ahead of them. And they, they were like in a transitional phase, I would say. Yeah. And I was his top guy, Jin. I was the top foreign talent for that company. Mm. And I was propositioned at that time. A gentleman came up, a Japanese gentleman came up, came up to me and he said that he's working for New Japan. He says, now is the time for you to cross over. Now's yeah. the time for you to make the move. And I said to him, um, I really appreciate that. And I, uh, I was at lunch and I said, but I cannot do this to Mr. Tajiri because he's the one that opened the door for me. And because of him, I'm in this country because of, because of the fact that he is the one who facilitated this opportunity for me to, to realize, uh, my, my ambitions of working in Japan. Um, I will stay loyal to Mr. Tajiri at this time. And I was never propositioned again for new Japan. That was the one and only time. And, that's where, like, there's very, few, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but like to quote, to quote Arn Anderson, double A, toot toot. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are very few people that are going to be loyal to you in this, in this same manner. I would say so. And, and especially with wrestlers being like prostitutes, um, they're just going to go to the next bidder who can offer them a payday and offer them a date. Mm-hmm. So who are you going to count on if you're the promoter to not do that? Yeah. Your that, family. That's it. I was just going to say that, um, and and yourself. I mean, I guess it's not yeah, technically. Yeah, you, if, if, you're, if you're a worker. Yeah, if it's yeah. not technically like nepotism, I guess is the wrong word. But uh, if, if you yourself, uh, that's the, like, I guess, only person you can, well, in some cases you can't. But uh, mm-hmm. that's the person that you're going to count on the most. And that's probably why 
uh, when you somebody becomes a booker, like say like Dusty Rhodes or yeah, uh, I was uh, uh, well, there's a lot of guys, um, and uh, you have Vince McMahon playing a pretty heavy you know main event role for a long time mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. in his own company, and now of course Shane and Triple H and blah 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 blah. Uh, I guess even you know in uh, in TNA you wouldn't think, but I guess uh, EC3 is related to. Um, what, what was I guess is related to Dixie Carter. Mm-hmm. So at the time mm-hmm. when she was right uh, involved, uh, or the owner, or whatever president, um, you know, and um, it's just one of those things, yeah, that you're going to put the people there that you can count on. But mm-hmm. does it? Um, is it fair for say other guys that are? trying to break in and they can't get those spots because of the boss's son is taking it. But then again, life, life ain't fair. Well, yeah. that's, that's true. You know, and the thing is that like, that's the one thing that people, especially in this day and age, when they're trying to tote this, this horse shit about, uh, like equality and all this gaga, I mean, it, nothing in life at the end of the day, I mean, you can, you can tote that as a company line. And that's all fine and dandy because all you're doing is just painting the walls with like just nice pictures, but you can't redeem that at the end of the day. And the reason for that is, is that you're always going to put the people at the end of it all. You're going to put the people into these key positions that are fit for the, for, for the job. Yeah. Right. So you can maybe transiently put someone there for just a moment just to see if, it, if they'll float or for like, let's say a, a political purpose. Right. Right. So let's say if you're pushing an agenda, if you're pushing, let's say, uh, fat shaming or something like that, you can yeah. put, you can put somebody into a spot that isn't athletically very gifted or whatever. And, and you can push them like wrestling wise. Now we're talking about, let's say you can put them in the, into a spot where that, uh, you know, they, they'll get away with murder in that spot for a moment, yeah. for a moment. Yeah. Now, if they don't catch on in that spot where people actually buy into their shiz at, and they say that, you know, that, that I like this, I like what's, I, I like their work and their body of work and et cetera. Right. Then it's going to remain a flash in the pan because as soon as that buzz, the initial, whatever agenda, uh, the, the, the vibe or the buzz or whatever you want to call it, the hype wears off, you're going to have to drop them back down to reality because somebody else who's more suited for that role is going to take over. Yeah. Yeah. Now, whether that happens in pro wrestling now, you can like cross parallel this example with let, let's say Chris Benoit. Yeah. Okay. Now, so Benoit took the WWE championship at WrestleMania 20 in that three-way match with uh, Shawn Michaels and, and Triple H. Yeah. Hell of a match, right? Really, yeah. And that was Benoit's time. Now, what I heard, I could be wrong, but what I heard was the reason why Benoit got that title is because of the body of his work. He was just so damn good. He wasn't the most charismatic guy, not a great promo guy, which is really, you know, odd that they would give it to somebody who wasn't a real good talker. Cause usually like the guys on top, they had this like world's like stellar charisma, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. They could talk business into the house because as the champion, you got to draw people. Yeah. I guess what I heard was that, that, uh, Benoit was given that strap because it was like for his tour of duty, Right. It was like a badge of honor to just to show people that he was the best in the world at what he did. Yeah. And he was. But think of how long he held that. He held that title from WrestleMania 
So that was like what the beginning of April mm. up until August, which was SummerSlam. So only for a few months did he hold that title. And he had that one storyline feud during that time with Triple H, where he beat Triple H time in and time out, only to be defeated by Randy Orton. Mm. Yeah. Now, Randy also was a transitional champion because who did he lose it to just a few months later? Was it to Triple H? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Right back to where it started from. Mm. So here you go. Like the, and now you break it down. Now, this was, I, I was just listen, listening to uh, Jim Ross's podcast, and I think Ross was talking about this because they were going through this Vengeance 2004 hmm. pay-per-view. But he was using this as an example. So, well, you know, if you want to listen to that one, I urge you, just check it out. Grilling JR. Hmm. Yep. yep. And uh, anyway, but the, the point being that why, the, the question is, why was Benoit transitional champion? Why was it given at the end of it all back to Triple H? Not for, Benoit didn't drop it, but still that, yeah, that they, yeah. that they circulated that title through Randy Orton to give it back to Triple H. Why? Well, first of all, maybe somebody in the company, the guys running it, Vince at the end of the day, mm-hmm. maybe he didn't believe that the money was in Benoit. Now, whether he's right or whether he's wrong has no bearing on anything because he's the boss. Yeah, yeah, right? true. It's his company. It's his money. At the end of the day, you are an independent contractor, even if you're a company employee. That's the magic word, employee. Yeah, yeah. That's Therefore, it. you're getting paid. The boss is paying you. Therefore, uh, especially with Randy. Now, the point was that, okay, maybe because Brock Lesnar left the company back in 2004 the way he did, and he was the youngest, quote unquote, youngest champion right, right. in WWE history, they had to do one better and say that, that because Brock left in such an ugly way and went to UFC, that they could say somebody else was the youngest world champion. Yeah, ever. yeah. So that's where Randy came in. There you go. So that's where, because of political agendas... Needed to erase that. You needed, exactly. You needed to erase something to get something else over. Mm. And someone has, has to be collateral damage. Somebody has to pay the price. It's not your fault, not your sin, not, not your like error in any way, shape or form, but you are in the wrong place, the wrong time. And you end up taking the shot. You take, you take the bullet. Yeah. That's what happened to Benoit. Yeah. So, uh, why didn't Randy Orton keep that title for a longer period of time? Tell me. I don't think he was ready. Mm, as, yeah. a, as a talent, he's too raw. Mm. He was put there for, for a political reason. He was given that title for a political reason. So give it back to the guy mm. that you can count on that people will buy as a main event guy, as a main event wrestler, yep. as the big star with the credibility and the weight behind him to carry the ball. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Triple H. True. So that's nepotism for you right there. One of the mm-hmm. best examples. I think so, in too. In a nutshell. And, I mean, uh, would you say then, like, uh, all in all, do you think that it's good for the business or, um, well, that's it. Is it good for the business? It depends on the players involved. Mm. It depends on the general talent pool available to that company at that given time. It depends on who's hot in the eyes of the fans. Who are the people buying? The people that buy the tickets, are they buying tickets because of that guy who's on top? Or are they buying tickets because of somebody who's on the undercard or somebody who's in the semi-main? So like that, you have to take into consideration wrestling, pro wrestling is a business, 
right? So at the end of the day, you want to make money. And, and the way that you make money, first and foremost, is through ticket sales. Now, if you're Vince, you make it through a lot of different other, you know, other, yeah, other, yeah. other channels than that. But in general, we as wrestling promoters and as, as wrestling companies, my company with Slam is no different. Uh, we make our money through what we sell at the gate, right? so AKA ticket sales. Yeah. Now, who are people coming out to see? Are they coming out to see a, just a product called pro wrestling? Are they coming out to see just a show? Like, so it's, it's like a all-star cast mm. where, for example, like you don't put Hogan and ultimate warrior on the cover of your poster. That's not your main event that you're drawing with. Yeah. Yeah. You put everybody on the card on the poster. Mm. Now that's really the thing. I mean, I've done it myself with slam. Yeah. I put a bunch of guys on the poster because the thing is that I don't think that in a certain market, any single one of those people are going to be a strong enough argument to draw because of the, let's say their familiarity with that fan base is not big enough to only put them solo or maybe them and their opponent on onto the cover. Now, if I were to put somebody based on familiarity onto the poster, I'd put myself. Mm, yeah, There's yeah. nepotism for you. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'd put myself because here in Finland, for example, I mean, I'm the guy that everybody associates with with pro wrestling. True. So it's a justified argument to put yourself into that position. Now, whether or not I'm in the main event, maybe is not the is not the case, but as far as in advertising or as far as like in recognition, familiarity, PR, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to put myself out there because I'm the guy that I can count on to talk business into the house. Well, that's it. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, uh, I've seen all of the posters that you've done. Mm. And uh, I don't think you, unless it's uh, absolutely, um, it's the main event or something like that, you're not putting yourself like up front and center. Well, geez, slam and tell in. I wasn't even on the graphic. That's right. Yeah. I mean, everybody else except me. (laughs) How did that happen? Yeah, well, there you go. And I mean, in in a lot of ways, it's, uh, I think, well, um, what was his name from Hungary? Um, The steamer, Blake Steamer. Yeah. Uh, Incredible, uh, like, uh, outfit and and face mask and everything that he had on. That's a, that's a, especially in a, in a market that nobody knows any, anybody. Yeah. Like probably in Talon, they don't even know. Well, maybe some people know you from, uh, some of the boxing announcing. Yeah. I guess you've worked there as a uh, pro wrestler as well a mm-hmm. few times, but generally pro wrestling is not well known there. Yeah. So who do you put there? You put on the poster, somebody with a crazy looking gimmick and, you know, guys who are Estonian, since yeah. you're in Estonia. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I mean, I guess it all depends on the market that you're going for. And, um, that's it. That's the whole thing. It, yeah. it depends on the market. So therefore let's, it's like, when you think of nepotism, you think of like, let's say Greg Gagne in, in, in AWA. Now everybody knew who Vern Gagne was in Minnesota, in that area, like North Dakota or whatever it was, that area, the, the Northern U S but, uh, once again, like Greg Gagne's star power did not transcend that of his father. It did, did not even equal that of his father. Didn't actually even come close to that of his father. So therefore, even though the Gagne name was made in Minnesota and it was made in that AWA territory, you still couldn't put Greg in the main event because people wouldn't buy him. At, you could still feature him, yes. Yeah. You could put him on every TV show. 
You could put him on every card. You could make him a tag team champion, but you could not make him the world champion there because people wouldn't buy him. Mm. They, they would shizat upon the house yeah, yeah. if this happened, right? So they're going to make Hogan that champ, you know, the champ, take it off Bockwinkle. They were, before Hogan made that transition over to WWF, they're going to make Hogan the champion. There you go. Right? Yeah. It, you know, Vern as a businessman could have put it on anybody else, but he knew where the money lied mm. or where the money lay. And that's where the whole catch in pro wrestling is. So like, let's say in Florida, Eddie Graham back in the day, I mean, some of the, some of you people listening won't know these names that I'm talking about. Then, then again, I'm a wrestling historian. So yeah. it's like, um, you got to know your trade and, and, uh, you know, the, all the lessons are in the past. Honestly, all the, all the lessons that you need to know to build a, a, a credible case for anything or build a, a company or build for the future are found in the past. Now this, this one of the greatest all time pro wrestling promoters was a guy called Eddie Graham yeah. out of Florida. Mm. His son is Mike Graham. Mike Graham was an agent for WCW. He was a wrestler for the NWA and, and for a short stint for the, for WCW at the end of the 19. 19- 80s. No, I think the beginning of the 1990s or 1990, 91. All right. Just for a bit. Yeah. Okay. Now, Mike Graham was a rather short in stature. Okay. He was technically a good wrestler. Good, mm. yeah, really good wrestler. Yeah. Uh, but because of his size, especially, he's like a junior heavyweight size guy. Right, right. Right. He could never be pushed, even in his father's territory, could never be pushed uh, like Dusty Rhodes. Mm, right. Because people would not buy him as that level of a star. Mm. Right. And even if you're a technically good wrestler, it doesn't mean that you're a great draw. It doesn't mean that you're a great, uh, like, how could you say, a great showman. Mm. Uh, you, you don't have great charisma, for example. Maybe yeah, you have yeah. mediocre charisma. Maybe you have just like the, the basic, you know, the the meat and potatoes kind of charisma, but you don't have that superstar, the rock Dwayne Johnson you know, style yeah, yeah, of charisma, yeah. Dusty Rhodes, whatever, Ric Flair. So therefore the promoter being a businessman is going to still feature you because you are his son. Yeah. You'll get a spot. You'll be the junior champion. You'll be whatever. You'll be maybe a tag champ. You'll, you'll, sure. you'll have some, like maybe at the smaller shows, the smaller towns, the B shows, maybe you might even main event once in a while, Yeah, but you won't be the guy. Mm. Right. So that's where, First and foremost, you can get away with nepotism if it makes sense, if it's justified. Now, with Stu Hart in Calgary, uh, okay, well, Bruce was the booker, right? Right. Bruce was not a great wrestler. I mean, he he had a great mind. These are two different things. Yeah, yeah, of course. So he had a great mind for the business. He's he's a good enough booker, uh, had good ideas. But not a great wrestler. So Bruce oftentimes would book himself in like tag team matches, like he'd be tag team champion with, let's say, Brian Pillman. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd always make sure that he was up, you know, front and center. Hmm. And, and people would remember Bruce Hart is a star. Yeah, yeah. And that's all fine and dandy. Even, let's say even Pillman can take all the falls in the matches, like when they, when they lose, you know, it doesn't yeah, have yeah. to be Bruce losing. It can be just Pillman losing, whatever. But Bruce still couldn't make himself the heavyweight champion. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Owen, they, he made his brother the champion. Yeah. Because Owen was more talented than him. Yeah. 
You Arguably sp- the most talented in a lot of... Maybe, you know. maybe. Brett, I don't know, yeah, Brett yeah, or yeah. Owen, which one? You yeah, know, take yeah. your pick. Then again, Ross Hart, hmm? fireman, whatever, or was it uh, Keith? Keith was the fireman, sorry. I think Ross was the teacher. But anyway, you know, these guys, were they were just like journeyman style of wrestler. They were not like, they didn't have superstar charisma. Yeah. They didn't. They had a name, they had a family name, but they didn't have the kind of charisma that pe- that made people want to buy tickets. If, he, if, 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 let's say Stu would have left Brett and Owen and uh, even Bruce, let's say off the cars, especially Brett and Owen. Yeah, yeah. And only have like, let's say Keith, Ross and, uh, you know, Bruce, whatever wrestle there in the main events. I don't think the business would have been very good. Mm. I think business would have gone down. Right, right. And I think at some point when Owen did leave and Brett did leave, business did go down. That's yeah. the whole thing, mm. right? The heart name wasn't strong enough in and of itself to carry that company. Yeah. Needed to have actual good, a good product. That's the whole thing. You needed to have top wrestlers, like, like guys that were like of the size that people would like think of them as a heavyweight yeah. uh, to, to carry that title at the top, to carry that spot. Mm. And um, once again, that's where you come, like, let's say... Now with Shane, Shane McMahon. So speaking of nepotism, you know, people are sick and tired of seeing Shane, the best in the world, blah, 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 whatever he is, you know, and, uh, and, and they just want to see him disappear. Yeah. But Shane, I can tell you this, he's not going to be the universal champion. Mm. <laughs> he's not going to be the WWE champion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He'll be prominently featured. He will have his day in the in the sun, like he did in Saudi Arabia, beating Roman Reigns of yeah, all people, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Vince is a businessman. Vince knows the money and the future ain't in Shane. Mm, it's true, right? It's like myself. It's like it, it, if if I were to book myself, I can put myself in the main events, but I I need to be able to justify that. Like I need I be I have to know that. Unless I am an element, unless I can offer something to a main event or to a top match where no one else can deliver the story that I need, that I need to be told, then I'm going to justify that by putting myself in that spot because I know that I can carry the ball because I know the message that I'm trying to get across and I know that I can take care of that. Yeah. Now, if I have someone else for that spot that can deliver like rock solid and make sure that the everybody in that match... Uh, comes across in the right way, mm. then I'll put somebody else in that spot. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is it does come down like there is that age old saying: if you want something done right, you do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'm guilty if that's a thing. I'm guilty of that like time and time again mm-hmm. because uh, I have put I have put my I guess what would you call it my faith into somebody else to do a job for me or for a company or that I work for or my own business. Yeah. And, uh, there has been many times that they come up extremely short. Yeah. And, um. You know why? Because they have no stake in the outcome. That's it. Yeah. You know, unless you are, unless your salary is performance based, which by the way, it used to be in pro wrestling that you made your payday according to the gate. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you were saying about that. And, And because that's been done away with now, like for what, for over 20, 25 years, it's, it's been like for, let's say 30 years, it's been done away with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by and large. Uh, so therefore the guys are making a guaranteed salary. They're, mm. they're making a guaranteed payday. They have no stake in the outcome. It doesn't matter if three people show up, they're getting paid. 
Yeah, well, uh, let's take a, another break, and I'm going to talk about ticket sales, actually. Let's uh, talk about a little bit of that. But uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors right now, and we'll be back with more Shizad in just a moment. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. Estrada Creative Helsinki. Your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. All right, and we are back, and we were talking about nepotism finally. And um, actually, there's hey, a... before we wrap it yeah, up though, yeah. with the nepotism, what you're saying that now, uh, before we started this podcast, that uh, the next AEW pay per view, this what is it called? Uh, Full Gear. Full Gear. Where'd they get that name from? You know, uh, it's actually come from, uh, I mean, the graphic is a bunch of gears, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you don't know the inside story, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all, it's all from this Being the Elite uh, YouTube series, the, the hang, Hangman page, when they first had the AEW announcement that mm-hmm. he was going to be in the match against uh, uh, Pac, I think everybody's saying that you can't say his name is Pac anymore, yeah. it's Pac, whatever, Pac. Pac-Man. Like X-Pac? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. X Pac. Yeah, yeah. Which one? I don't know. He's Pac Man, I guess. We're he's gonna... he's Pac without the X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the formerly known as Pac. But um, anyway, uh, they were they did the whole uh, bit about the when they did the first press release and Hangman did did his little speech. He's he's going to be the first AEW champion, and he mm-hmm. was dressed in a suit or some yeah, yeah. Texasy looking suit, mm-hmm. and then uh, Pac Man. X-Pac came out there uh, in his full gear, uh-huh. you know, in his little his uh, little shorts and boots and the whole nine yards greased greased up because the guy's ripped to shreds, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. and, uh, and you know, said he's challenging him and that, that was what the match that didn't end up happening mm-hmm. at uh, Double or Nothing. And uh, everybody made fun of... Uh, of Hangman for not having as good a body as Pac because Pac can walk around in full gear everywhere and looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they had they did this brilliant social media campaign of the full gear challenge, mm-hmm. and Hangman was featured every week, uh, and he was trying to get that Pac like body, mm-hmm. you know, and they and he was like haunted by 
these that somebody was spying on him and saw him eat a potato chip once and you know and oh, whatever it was it was a pretty funny and okay. and, and pretty okay storyline and then he's just started walking around in full gear you know and uh and this, so they've been this joke on on hangman about that he's not ripped enough to be in full gear mm-hmm. and that was his challenge was to you know show up to that match full gear ready just wait till you get over 40 yeah <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. But um so I of course that that phrase that line has been used so much that I guess you know might as well name a pay-per-view. And um uh this is going to be the first pay-per-view uh, after they have started their TV show, uh TV series or whatever you want to call it. And it's their third I guess, legit pay-per-view. So they're not counting Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest. Because they were free, I guess. Uh, I guess they were not technically full-on pay-per-views. They were minor events or something. I'm sure they'll do them every year. But um, the actual pay-per-view of uh, Double or Nothing and All Out and now Full Gear, uh, this is the first pay-per-view, so full-on pay-per-view, that hasn't sold out in the first day. And a bunch of people are freaked out about it. You know, oh my God, see, look at this. The AEW uh, hype storm has collapsed and they are totally, you know, everybody just doesn't give a shit because they are, they saw their product and um, it's not translating or or the, the honeymoon phase is worn off and blah, 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 blah. I mean, to be honest with you, I looked at the seating chart and uh, tickets are are selling fine. You know, this mm-hmm. is like now it's got into the, um, I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever I can defend them or, or whatever, but the thing is it, it this has gone into now it's not, and we talked about this a bit before. It's not like a, um, it's not super special as it was with double or nothing and say all in before AEW and, mm-hmm. and then all out it's and these historic events, you would say, right. Yeah. yeah. The, this full gear is, kind of historic but it's like it now feels like well if you don't get tickets to this one just get tickets to the next one or if you don't get tickets to that one you get tickets to the next one and it's not as it goes i think it's a natural progression that it's not going to be everybody knew that it's it's you know not going to sell out immediately every time now maybe the next double or nothing will sell out immediately because that's the tradition and i think what it seems like they're doing in AEW is they're trying to build these um, Crockett style traditions, like uh, they're they're gonna go always. I think to Chicago on the Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving oh, yeah. week uh, week, whenever that is. Um, like Starcade style, yeah. yeah. So they're gonna they're always gonna go to the Sears Center, mm-hmm. at least Chicago, Illinois, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're gonna go there, so everybody knows then a year in advance that that turkey bowl or whatever you want to call it that's going to happen mm-hmm. it's going to be there i think their tv series but tv show on the wednesday but that's going to be in chicago every year and they're going to do these uh, uh, that i think that all out is going to be at that sears center in chicago every year or mm-hmm. or somewhere around there as, as far as i understand okay could could be different mm-hmm. so it seems like they're gonna they're doing this traditional kind of thing and mm-hmm. uh, trying to build this kind of stuff but the, mm-hmm. the seating charts and stuff um it's, I mean, uh, 
these WWE pay-per-views that are they're not selling as well as these. So I, I don't really think the hype is down. I just think people it's normalizing. You know, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the thing. It's like any relationship too. It's it's in the beginning. It's like you can't keep your hands off each other, and then like this is the sorry, to, yeah. this is the seating chart. The Grays are sold out. Oh, this okay. is a show is November 9th. Yeah, that's a ways away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's a pretty good looking that's house pretty, already. That's, that's a good house. Yeah. You know, and then mm-hmm. you got your TV taping or TV live TV show mm-hmm. uh, on November sixth. Still a ways away. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's of course not sold as as well as the pay per view, but right. it, you know, right. it's it's selling all right. I guess this is this is the hard cam side. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, everybody can see this, but. Uh, if you go to wrestlinginc.com, you can find these kind of things. And I'm sure the seating charts are available all over the place and stuff. You know, th- this is the thing coming off that uh, that Raw is, is having a real hard time to sell tickets. Still, their pay-per-views aren't selling out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for the most part in WWE territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there is going to be these times when they're not going to sell out. Can you have... Is it possible to run this AEW for however long and and sell out every single show no no of course i mean it's it's in the beginning everyone succeeds in the beginning that's the, a quote from uh, anthony robbins by the way tony robbins mm. but it's the truth you know in the beginning you start a new job you're going to put your a game on man you're going to make sure that you show up sharp for work every morning maybe in 5 minutes early right and you're going to do the umpteenth uh, uh, of your whatever you know to to impress the boss uh, new relationship. You're going to do like everything to make sure that person is blown away and they're going to be convinced that they, that, you know, they got to be with you. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, the wrestling, it's going to be super hot because the thing is it's, it's new. It's exciting. It's like these new players, new freaking storylines, new, new, this, new, that. And then once people have seen it, and especially nowadays, by the way, folks, remember we're living in this fast food society Easy in, easy out. It's Google. Your answers come to you in less than one second once you press enter, which means you don't have to wait no more, which means that you are not just high strung, you are ADD, ADHD, etc., etc., because you have no more capacity or ability to focus Mm. and stay with it for the duration. That's why people nowadays, it's like everything falls apart, by the way. That's why the relationships and all that too, people don't have longevity no more. They don't have Mm. the staying power. They don't have the patience to get bored. Yeah. Interesting. Think of that. Yeah. Yeah. What movie, what TV series have you seen last time that you can cross parallel? Take, let's say Miami Vice from the eighties. Right. Right. Mm. And look at the camera angles. Look at how long they stay with that one camera angle as Don Johnson talks. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is the funny thing because uh, uh, now they use that, mm. they use those long camera shots to create uh, an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. You know, they yeah. use it uh, in those kind of ways. Not not like it was before. No, no, because people, yeah, they're, they're used to like the fast trigger, like switch. How many cameras, by the way, did that Disaster Pieces DVD have back in the day, uh, Slipknot? Oh, I don't know. It was something in the range of, was it like 50 cameras? Or what, I, I, I forget. Nuts. But yeah, but it was like, it was ridiculous. And the thing is, all the blast beats, like the camera angle would change within that fraction of a second with yeah. each blast beat. This is how, this is what it is, The funny enough, when I watch WWE, 
It feels like a Slipknot blast beat the entire time. And yeah, it's too much. Then I, too much. I wanted to like a really quick comment on the on the uh, all out pay per view. Uh-huh. That um, uh, one thing that uh, we had mentioned uh, that they had missed a lot of things camera wise, mm-hmm. and I think they're doing this. They do it in New Japan where the the camera guys actually don't know what. Don't know the spots. They don't know the finishes. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it at uh, in New Japan somehow it uh, gives you this live feeling that anything can happen. This is real, unfolding in front of your in front of your eyes. But I notice in New Japan they hold uh, the camera on things super long. Yeah, they let the action take place. And then when there's a down point or when there's a cue, like say Okada does his rainmaker pose, they know what to do. Then the mm-hmm. producer know, okay, we got to do a big, quick, you know, zoom out to show the big crowd and, yeah, yeah. you know, th- it's all that. And they're going to show the belt when two guys are in a double down kind of thing or so, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But they don't cut away from the action or change camera angles very often when the action's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, unless there's a better shot of it. But I yeah. found that AEW, they seem to not tell the producers in the truck what's going going down either, which I like that idea. But then they try to do these really, there was too many camera switches going on and they missed so much action. Mm. So. In which, uh, in which match particularly? Uh, well, in the battle Royal, there was loads of, um, eliminations that yeah, were, yeah, that that were really important eliminations. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. mentioned the Brandy one, Awesome Kong. I think they yeah. missed that. They missed that Jazz, too. they mixed. Mm-hmm. These are three top known yeah. female stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They missed, and they were big players in that. Yeah, that's know. right. Yeah. So, you know, what, that, you know, this is a, you know, this is camera stuff and I guess producers, you're live, right? So it's a, it's a tough game and whatever. I, th- I thought that the camera work was weirdly not as good on this one as it was on the, was it Double or Nothing or uh-huh. one of the other ones. Anyway, either way, I'm sure when they go to live TV, all these kind of kinks and things get worked out. But the interesting thing I'd like to say about the ticket sales again is that a lot of people are saying... Because uh, NXT, uh, their TV live TV shows show tickets are like selling really fast, uh-huh. and the shows are being sold out quick. Mm-hmm. In October, mm-hmm. they're October second. That's head to head with uh, AEW the first night, and October 9th are already sold out. Um, they sold out like almost immediately, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Aha! You know, look, huge competition tickets are selling massive." This is a, this is at that full sale um, college campus that holds four hundred or so people. So that's where they're selling out. Yeah, mm. and I don't think people mention that in this article I've read. They don't. They mention full sale uh, live uh, on campus, full sale university in uh, Winter Park, Florida. Yeah, they're not selling like eight thousand, ten thousand. That's it. You know, tickets mm. like AEW is, is has been. Selling 6,000 even, even 1,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These are in maybe in a month they sell uh, 2,000 tickets or however the math goes for that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really hard to say, you know, you can say that, but NXT, I'm pretty sure in that full sale place sells out anyway. Like how how could you not sell out 400 tickets with, you know, phenomenal wrestling? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, that's, uh, it's an interesting deal. I think that people are, Maybe this is the thing that, like, why wouldn't a lot of people ask, like, why wouldn't uh, WWE, if they're going to counter program AEW, why wouldn't they put Raw or one of their big 
big main roster shows against. Why are they doing it with NXT, which is their developmental? You know what I think? Yeah. I think because, like, well, at least Cody went public by saying that, well, WWE's cornered the market on sports entertainment. Well, that's all fine and dandy because they're not sports entertainment. They're professional wrestling. Yeah, they, yeah. And they've cornered the market on pro wrestling. Well, NXT is the closest thing that WWE has to pro wrestling. Right. That's so true. therefore, if you put it, if you're putting something out and plus it's the newest thing that they have, like that, that, that has caught fire. Okay. 205 live is newer, but that hasn't caught fire. Yeah. So therefore, uh, you put the, the hottest thing that you got. Which honestly, arguably is NXT. Yeah, yeah. You put that against the new boy in town. Yeah, and they are kind of or like... The, or the new kid in town to yeah. be PC. <laughs> the new human being in town. The, the new individual. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, they are competing in a lot of ways. Those two programs are competing to a much more similar audience than Raw and SmackDown are competing against AEW with. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I get, I get why there's that counter programming there. And then a lot of people are saying, well, if that's their developmental, um, program, mm-hmm. their whatever yeah. division, yeah. then can you have a developmental uh, division be on a two, a two hour t- two hour TV program? And now, I mean, let's get real guys like Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, mm. you know, the list goes on. Mm. These guys don't need much developmental Mm-hmm. You know, there, of course, there are guys who are, you know, they're training their style too, who are like, you know, stars on the indie scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are brand new stars who are getting trained as well and do their little untelevised, non-televised uh, shows and things like that. But I guess people are saying, well, where is their developmental going to go? Are they going to have a new developmental program or something? Uh, is it going to be like NXT 2 or something, you know? They already have it. Well, there you go. NXT UK. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's it. And a lot of people were thinking, is that going to be it? So, yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting, uh, it's going to get really interesting really soon. I guess now we're in, in this kind of like lull period where I, I think that there's going to be loads of um, kind of a hype buildup starting now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't even seen much of any hype going on about this uh, USA network with NXT. Yeah. I haven't heard any real any push or anything like that. Almost seems like there's nothing. Um and I know of course every week something's going to happen with AEW. There's going to be something going on. Mm-hmm. So um today I guess there's going to be a new being the elite on YouTube at some point in time. So that'll pump something out and uh but yeah. I guess we'll see, but um, I guess we got to wrap it up here today. Shooting the shiz out, we stretched this one out, talking about all sorts of wacky wrestling stuff, and um, this was the assorted episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly, and um, just taking the liberties. But um, let's see what happens next week. I'm not sure what's going on this weekend coming up, but um, uh, don't they have that pay per view? By the way, that. WWE's got their next one coming up now. Yeah, like some, really soon. Something inconsequential, I'm sure. But By the way, that uh, was it. Survivor Series weekend. They've got the the NXT War Games being advertised oh, already. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, yeah. They have said that the NXT is going to feature a street fight uh, on their um, the premiere on the USA Network. What does that mean? I don't know. I guess they're going to fight on the street. So the no rules deal and. Um, Let's see. Let's see how it goes. I mean, uh, I'm pretty interested in in just seeing if and how NXT will change uh, with this two-hour time 
format and uh so you know supposedly vince is not going to be involved and then other people are vince is for sure involved because it's going on tv so yeah they've got this clash of champions now it's, ah, it's funny yeah. because you know wcw nwa before that had clash of the champions so they uh-huh. removed the article and now it's wwe's clash of champions there 2019 on the uh, 15th right in the middle of the month here so it's like in one next this coming weekend all right um Going to be going to be happening, happening. Hey, by the way, folks, if you are listening to this, and if you are in the uh, Finland uh, sector of the world, uh, I've just got to pitch this for the sake of novelty. Um, on the 18th of this month, that's right in the middle of the week. By the way, I think it's a Wednesday, um, the 18th of September. Uh, my band Stoner Kings will be playing our Alpha Male album release cd release party gig in uh, helsinki at on the rocks uh-huh. now tickets are available through ticketti.fi that's t i k e t t i.fi uh and we have devilac with us at this long uh long uh, i guess they they've been around for pretty much the same time that stoner kings has been i think like over 20 years uh but they're from Turku, so they're on the West Coast. They're going to be coming in to play with us. And we've got this gig happening on, uh, like I said, September 18th. It's going to be freaking awesome, man, because uh, we're going to be, be playing a whole bunch of new numbers off our uh, off our new album. And uh, we got some special uh, stage get-up happening there, uh, some props and, and uh, some videos and whatnot like that. So come on, check it out. Uh, tickets are set eight, was it eight euros in advance, which is nothing. It's a pint of beer in most places in Helsinki, by the way, eight euro. Um, and then uh, at the door, 10 euros. So get yourself a ticket, come out and see. It's like pro wrestling live on stage, man. Stoner Kings, we kick so much gargantuan ass that it's not even freaking funny. Uh, so come on, check it out. Uh, then I guess next week we'll be checking out that Clash of Champions. We can run that down Yeah. Uh, as next next week's episode. And um, then uh, onward and upward from there. Yeah, I just looked at the ticket chart, just just curiosity's sake for that Clash of Champions, and it seems like it's actually sold pretty well. So um, that's pretty good news, because it's always good when wrestling does well. Well, they got know? the King of the Ring finals, by the way, happening there. So that, like, they brought back this King of the Ring. and uh-huh, yeah. And that's going to be uh, interesting to see who they give it to this time. All but, right. Uh, anyway, so they've got... Uh, and they had the, what was that one match they had? That was the the Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. No, no, wait a minute. There was a there's, no. That's the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I'm thinking mm. of something else. That's the next pay per view after this one. I guess they're throwing the Fiend right in there. Yeah, as yeah, that's well. the thing. Yeah, I, I saw this tease about. Yeah, there's the, they're they're already advertising Bray Wyatt as the Fiend, and he's going to get some either one of those guys. I think Seth Rollins or Bra, Braun Strowman. Yeah, at, shove uh, him right in the picture so fast. I, I mean, a lot of. I agree that I think it's way too fast for that character. I think that character's got to make his way up the the, the rungs. You yeah, know? But, the, but you know we're we're living in the day and age of instant gratification, and that's what I think is just a reflection mm. of of the day and age that we live in. Because people they have no patience to wait. You know, and the thing is that they want it all. They want it now. And Bray Wyatt got such a strong response based on that SummerSlam match yeah. against Finn Balor that I think that that was enough to justify at least to the big wigs that uh, and the writers and Vince himself, that this is the right thing to do. But where do you go from there? 
you win the big belt or yeah. whatever, you know, and then that's that's the end. That's the end, you know, in terms of like your, your character's story arc. Then he's just got to go go away. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's see what they do. It's going to be interesting, but uh, let's see what happens at Clash of Champions coming up this weekend. This has been shooting the Shizata with uh, Starbuckaroonie and Dylan Brodinski. And subscribe, and, folks. Yes, please and thanks. And all of our social media, we got Instagrams, we got Facebook pages, we got Slam Wrestling Finland stuff, we got... Uh, well, the Rebel Starbuck has about 50,000 other things going on in his life, and you can tell because he runs around like a, a man doing business like nobody else. Before I die, man, got to get shit done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when you sleep, but I don't think you do. No, that's why I got insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> got to use the time. Got to use, use the time. Yeah, use the time. Man. But yeah, thanks for joining us again. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week.